Live by faith. May your faith truly be a dependence lived on your God. May our worship be lit up as we celebrate the God who is not keeping himself secret, but he's making himself clear. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you today, Summit Point. Great to be worshiping with you, whether we're live stream online with us or here in person. Man, we are here to be fired up and make much of Jesus Christ. May we lift his name up. And all of God's people said, amen, man. We're in a series called Live by Faith. Live by faith. We started it just a few weeks ago, Pastor Steve launching us in Romans chapter 1 as we talk about, and the righteous shall live by faith. And that's talking a lot about the eternal nature there in Romans 1. It's talking about the hope we have forever and our faith bringing eternal life in heaven. But it's more than just about the then and there. It affects every facet of our life starting right now going all the way into eternity. May we live by faith. And so we're walking through looking at some Old Testament characters, learning how our faith can affect our daily walk, our daily grind, our daily struggle with some of the things we run into. And we're learning from them what we can, go, can do. We're also learning what not to do. And, and sometimes where they're not getting it right. And so we looked at Abraham. And Abraham was given a call, move from Ur all the way over into what God would declare the promised land. And then he says, and I'll give you a kid. Abraham's already 75 years old when he hears that. Um, he viewed that as a, as a blessing. I don't think any of us would necessarily view being told you're going to have a kid at 75, the greatest blessing. But that for him, he was like, I long to have a nation under me. And God's like, just so you know, your offspring will be like the sands of the seashore, so many. And he talked through it with Abraham and Sarah there, giving the promise. From the time of Abraham, we're now fast forwarding 400 plus years, and we're coming to the time of Moses. And actually, all of those offspring of Abraham, there's now somewhere well over a million plus, maybe even up to two million uh, Israelites at that time. They've been brought into captivity in Egypt. And God's been growing them and honestly protecting and providing for them there as he's allowed the nation to flourish and grow in size underneath the Egyptian coverage. And now it's time to bring them out. And so God ends up bringing plagues because Pharaoh is holding them back. Does this all sound familiar? When you think of the Abraham story, Pharaoh holding Israel back, but the plagues are there now to prove who God is and to release them out. And the 10th plague, so vicious, so clear that God's in charge. Pharaoh's like, just get out. Sends them out. In fact, says, take this with and starts giving them wealth on the way out. So they are now free and wealthy on the way out. Sound familiar? It's like the exact same story as what was going on with Abraham 400 plus years earlier when it was just his little family. Now it's the nation of Israel and Moses being released out free and they've got properties in hand. They're walking out and they're like, this is awesome. We worship the God in charge. We are free. The miracle bringing them out. And as they thunder out into the wilderness, they get to a point where they come up to the Red Sea, and it's not like, you know, this little tiny creek they have to cross. It's deep, man, very deep. Many are saying 20, 30, maybe even 50 feet deep in spots, depending where they were at. Deep, as they look at the Red Sea, and they're like, now what? What do we do? And the mountain's coming around beside them, and they look back behind them, 
And Pharaoh is thundering after him. He's changed his mind. He's coming to get him. That's where we're picking it up. Moses leading. Israel just released. Pharaoh is thundering in. So do me a favor. Turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 10. And we're going to dive in here. I'm just telling you, this story has a ton of human emotion all over it human emotion all over it. So if you can't find yourself in here, you're not working very hard, okay? There's a ton of human emotion all over this. Some of it's super humorous along the way as well. So keep your eyes peeled for different moments where you're like, dude, that's kind of me, all right? Point number one here, never, never allow your fear of circumstances to change your perception of God's goodness. Never allow your fear of circumstances to change your perception of God's goodness, okay? Never. Here we go. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. They were trapped with the Red Sea right in front of them, the mountains alongside of them, and as they looked back, Pharaoh's coming thundering in. In fact, if you look a little bit earlier, it says some 600 chariots. Normally, they would send out about 150 in one of these military movements. Here there's 600, Pharaoh's making a statement. And there's thousands of soldiers marching in. Can you imagine the thundering of the hooves of the horses and the dust coming up and the sound of the wheels running across the hard ground and people marching and you see mass of humanity all over the place as you look back and you look front and Red Sea. And uh, everybody just say, "Uh uh-oh, trapped. And all of a sudden, the circumstances are looking pretty bad and pretty dire, and they're beginning to freak out. And it's amazing how fast we forget miracles, isn't it? They just got released by God. They're trapped there now in that moment. It says, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cried out, which is a good thing when you're in the middle of a struggle to be able to look up to your God and say, Lord, I'm struggling. What do I do? God, I'm looking at this circumstance. Which way do you want me to go? Lord, how do you want me to handle this? God, how are you going to handle this? And so they're crying out to God. And at least they're looking up a little bit here as they're giving their moment of concern. It says, then they said to Moses. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Right? Because when we're in tough circumstances, the first thing we do is we look to God and we go, God, what's your plan? And the next thing we do is look at the leader and go, you're a moron. Right? And that's kind of what's happening. They turn to the leader, check it out. It says, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Now you have to hear some dripping Jewish sarcasm with this. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that now you're ending up putting us out here in the wilderness to die? One thing you need to know is they estimate about three quarters of the land of Egypt was designated for graves and tombs and the pyramids. About three quarters of the land. Can you imagine the Jewish people talking while they were working as slaves? And they're like, these guys have graves everywhere. Look at all the graves. So when they get out in the wilderness, what's the first thing they say? What, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Now you're bringing us out in the wilderness to kill us? You hear the dripping sarcasm and the blame and the attack against Moses, the human leader. Like, we don't like where we're at. We're kind of ticked off. We'll blame it on you, right? And uh, 
He says, so what have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. There's a lot of people who are only half in or maybe not in at all right now. And the miracle that released them that they were just celebrating on, they have already forgotten. And that fast, they're like, I would have rather just been a slave. Thanks anyway. And I just wrote this week as I thought about this. When fear of the unknown screams louder than a healthy fear of the Lord, check your heart. When fear of the unknown screams louder than a healthy fear of the Lord, check your heart. They looked forward at the Red Sea, they looked back at Pharaoh, and they freaked out. Man, when fear of the unknown screams louder than a healthy fear of the Lord, check your worship, check your heart. These guys had a major problem going. It says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. He gives them a three-point step. And I love his answer, because he could have said, what are you biting on me for? Like he could have gone after him in a little bit of a whine session. But instead of complaining and whining, he says, here's the plan. Don't fear. Like I know you're looking at the Red Sea and there's no way to cross. And I know you're looking at Pharaoh and the Egyptians and it looks like they're going to thunder in and just wipe us out. But don't fear. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. Like, remember the salvation you just had coming out of Egypt and expect more of it right now. This is a great leader moment where he's shaping their hope. He's like living out his faith and he's pointing up the whole way. This is a huge leader moment. This is who our God is, guys. Don't step away from him. As he gives them hope along the way, it says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Moses is pretty confident. He's like, I'm just telling you, God's got this in hand. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. I love that statement. You have only to be silent. Moses is really saying, you don't have to do anything, part one. And part two, stop whining, right? Don't whine about it, man. God's got this. Hang on. Man, when fear begins to grip us, it really starts taking over. And I'm just telling you three wrong responses to fear. Ready? Three wrong responses to fear. Number one, panic. Absolute freezing. I don't know what to do. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to go backward. Panic. Just an absolute freezing. God doesn't have it. I don't think I have it. I'm not moving. Panic. It's a terrible response to fear, it leaves us accomplishing nothing. The second wrong response to fear, procrastination. Did you know that that's a response to fear? Can be. Procrastination, you're like, I don't even know. There's so much to handle. There's so many things going on. I'm not sure. I'll just push it off. I'll keep doing these things I can control and manage. I'll keep taking care of this, that stuff. I'll have to put out there a little bit and we just keep postponing it and trying to deal with the little details of today that we can control. Procrastination, it's a passive way of kind of asserting our fear on top of the problem. Panic or procrastination or here's a third one, 
pouncing, attacking, finding someone to blame. When your fear wells up, I need to hurt someone, please. And all of a sudden, we jump out and attack. Like, seriously, there weren't enough graves in Egypt? Pounce. Like, get a little bit of a word of attack out there. I'm, my, my fear's welling up. I got to give it some words, right? And so panic or procrastination or pouncing, and, and those are three really strong wrong reactions to fear, one right reaction to fear. Pray. Look up. Give it to your God and trust in him. When fear grips you, look up, not out. When fear grips you, look up, not out. So simple question. How are you handling fear in your life? How are you handling what's welling up? How are you handling the concerns about tomorrow? How are you handling the struggle you're facing and the stuff that's taking over your mind? Are you properly giving it to your Lord and trusting him? Okay. May we never allow the fear of circumstances to dominate our mindset. Point number two, pray to God, but row the boat. Pray to God, but row the boat. This is actually an old American Indian proverb. This is like when you're going down the river and you're in the rapids, like it's not wrong to pray to God and to cry out, but paddle, man. Keep paddling and keep directing along the way. Pray to God and row the boat. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, we're not exactly sure how God got to this statement, but apparently when the people said, what's up? Are you trying to take us out in the wilderness to kill us? There weren't there enough graves back there? And you're like a loser leader, man. There is a moment where Moses turned around and went, really, God? It happened, it looks like, because God ends up saying, don't cry out to me. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, I think we're kind of missing it if we don't say it with a little bit of force on God's part. God's not like, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Like, I don't think that's it. I think it's more like this. Tell them to go forward. There's been 10 plagues. I have given you the wealth of a nation. You are free. I think I did a little bit. Time for you to do a little bit. Have you ever noticed that when God's leading you, he does a little and then he calls you to do a little. And that's how he walks the journey. Come follow me. I'm doing, now your turn. Now I'm doing, now your turn. God's like, tell them to take a step forward. Apparently they were even pulling back away from the Red Sea a little bit. And he's like, step towards it. And uh, he says, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Like Moses, here's the plan. Do you see the 30 to 50 feet deep of water? Like just lift up your hands and it'll separate and we'll walk through on that. That's the plan. You got to be pretty confident you're hearing from God when you hear those kinds of words. You know what I'm saying? And like, he's hearing this and he's like, okay, I got it. I'm supposed to raise my hands up. And God says, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. 
when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. God's like, tell the people, you're looking at the horses, men. Start looking up at me. You're looking at some human or some physical thing. Start looking at the supernatural power of the almighty God who speaks and the world exists. Hang on. Those horses, nothing. My glory is going to be poured out all over it. All too often, we become an expert of our problem. We become an expert of our struggles, our concerns, our fears as it wells up in front of us. And all of a sudden, we're paralyzed as we stand there struggling. God's like, don't look at the horses and be paralyzed. Look to me. He says, then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood between them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. Remember, as Israel was coming out of Egypt, there was this cloud that led them by day and a pillar of fire by night, and the presence of the Lord was in front of them, guiding them out. In this moment, as they're now trapped against the Red Sea, the cloud actually begins to move, and the presence of the Lord comes behind Israel, between them and Egypt, and God moves from guiding to guarding. God is moving into a spot of protection, and he's like, you are safe. It says, and there was the cloud and the darkness. This cloud of the presence of the Lord began to cover everything, like that kind of cloud where when you go out at night, and there's no moon, and there's no stars, and there's this heavy, thick, black cloud that is low and everywhere, and you can't even see your hand in front of your face. There was such darkness, it said, and lit up the night without one coming near the other on all night long. So the presence of the Lord lit up for the uh, Israelites, the light of the presence of the Shekinah glory of God and darkness on Egypt, and it put them stopped in their tracks. They're thundering in in all the chariots, and all of a sudden, God just goes, And they stop all night long, held at bay. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. And man, when it seems most dire, that is the time to be most on our knees. May God truly be trusted in the process. I'm just telling you, uh, we were on our way home from our trip this past, like a week and a half ago on our vacation, and uh, all of a sudden the weather started getting bad. It's another car story. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden the weather started getting bad, and all of a sudden I see like rain coming down in front. You know how you can see it like sheets? It looks like just lines coming down. I can see it out ahead of us, and as we're getting closer, it gets dark and heavy, and it gets so hard, the rain does, that we got the windshield wipers on max. I go from like that 75 mile an hour down to like 35 miles an hour. The truck in front of me, this SUV, hits this deeper puddle. We're in kind of a construction area, and in the middle of it, they did not figure out how to get the water off the road. So as it's coming down, it's just filling up, and this SUV hits the water at like 40 miles an hour, and I'm talking like deep, couple feet, 
it sprays everywhere. He's got an SUV. He's like, yeah, man, he's having fun through it. We've got a Nissan Maxima. We're like, it's not going to go well. I'm slowing down. I hit the water at like 30 miles an hour, and I kind of ease up to the side, gripping the wheel as tight as I can, get up to the side of the road so we're at least up a little bit, and I'm staying above the, we're kind of peeling water off the side of us, but we're at least out of the middle of it. And we go through that section, and the rain just starts coming down harder yet. And I'm like, Lord, please protect us. Like, God, you've got this. If you want me to pull over, I'm over. It's just we're in the middle of construction. I kind of have to keep going right now. God, what do you want done? May you truly protect us as I'm gripping the wheel with all I've got and slowing it down even a little more. And we're moving through. And all of a sudden, we get to a point where it gets a little lighter rain. And then a little lighter rain. And then like that fast, we're at the front and it becomes sunshine on the other side. There were birds whistling and children singing. And, right? <laughs> it was ridiculous, just that fast. And it's all nice out. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I was gripping that wheel tight, man. And we kind of ease our way back up to speed and get going again as we're chatting about what we went through. Man, I'm telling you, whatever circumstances you're going through, pray. And do what God is wisely calling you to do. Row the boat. Whatever that is, praying to your God, trusting in him, and wisely taking some steps forward. May God get all the glory. So what is it you're going through? What is it you're gripping the wheel a little tight on? What is it that you need to be saying, Lord God, I give this to you right here and right now? Okay. Point number three. No matter how dire the circumstances, model worshipful trust in your almighty God. No matter how dire the circumstances, model worshipful trust in your almighty God. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Remember, God said, just stretch your hand out over the sea and it will part and the people will cross. And so Moses stands up and he goes, all right. Can you imagine that first minute or second? Can you imagine your heart as you're like, and nothing happens like in the immediate first second. And people are watching as they see you go, Nothing, right? Can you imagine even a little bit of delay has to be like, God, don't leave me up here, right? One of those. And as he goes like this, all of a sudden, a wind from the east. And then it just starts coming in and across. Who knows how fast it was going, 100 plus miles an hour, whatever, enough to be able to begin to peel and push the waters back pushing it aside and creating a wall as this huge eastern wall. Have you ever seen a painting of Moses standing up and he's holding out the staff over it? Dude, if his robe is not whipping behind him in the wind, bad painting. You know what I'm saying? It's a huge deal. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. How long? 
all night, man. That is a long time to be in 100 mile an hour straight blowing wind. As this thing is just separating and drying. You know, like if you take your blow dryer on your countertop and you blow it and the water just kind of all blows away and it all dries out. That's what God's doing for the bottom of the sea of the Red Sea. It says, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. I love that moment. As Moses goes, and the wind starts to blow and everything starts to separate. And then Moses is like, okay, go across. Who was the first guy? You know, where you're like, all right, it's looking pretty, pretty good. Here I, and you step out and you're like, it's holding. And you get out a little more in it. It's dry down here. And you're like giving memo back. And people are like, okay. And he finally gets out in between and he's looking up at huge walls of water and goes, let's go. It's good. And everybody starts in a million plus people walking into the 100 mile an hour plus winds, keeping the walls of water separated as they feel it whipping and their robes are going and, and God is getting all the glory all night long. It says, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to their right, the wall to their left. Uh, I'm just saying, they're stepping in pretty boldly on this miracle. You know, the miracle of the plagues and they were like, we're in, let's get out of here. And now the miracle of the water, and they're like, we're in. Isn't it amazing how in the face of a miracle, we're pretty confident? But then just after it, we're like, we forget everything. And like that fast after God's worked, all of a sudden we no longer remember. You know, I would just say in the face of miracles, we tend to trust pretty good. And right after the miracle, we tend to forget pretty well too. May we be careful with that, Right? says, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they, may, uh, so that they drove heavily. This is a moment where they're beginning to drive down into the seabed. And as they're getting down in there and the chariots are thundering, God begins to let just a little bit of water come back onto the bottom. And what's dry starts to actually get a little wet and a little muddy. And all of a sudden, the wheels of the chariots are bogging down. And these guys are jumping out and they're trying to get it going. And you're looking up at a giant wall of water. And you're like, come on, man, we got to get this going. As they're trying to get these going. And they begin to utterly panic. It says that as they began to see this problem happening, they really absolutely freaked out. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and in the cloud looked down on the Egyptians and he threw them into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. God's glory. As it became very clear to them there is a God over these guys and he's protecting them. It worked fine for them the whole way. And as soon as we come in, nothing, that God stands against us. Notice that they did not say, so now we worship Yahweh. And said, they said, so now we run. And they turned and they ran in fear. 
getting out of it. God lifting up his name as he took care of the problem. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. This is a moment where God is like, now your turn to be able to do it the other direction. They've gotten through to the other side. Moses gets through with them. And as he stands on the other side and looks back, God says, now raise your hands again and have it all come collapsing in on them. And so they're coming across and they're getting stuck and they're trying to figure out what to do. And Moses at that moment raises his hands to be able to stop the wind. And just that fast, the wind that has been keeping it dry, and he goes, and it all comes in. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians in to the midst of the sea. The water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. How many remained? Not one of them. All wiped out. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and to their left. Everybody just say, God had a plan. Man, as we trust in our God and we watch him work, may we see his plan. Moses' job, just step up and stand with your God and watch him work. May we truly trust our king in the middle of our crisis and watch God resolve problems we never could have imagined while God still calls us to grip tight and walk forward with him, all for his glory. It says, thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and the Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Let that settle, as they're now standing on the other side of the Red Sea, a million of them, and the water is lapping up, And there's Egyptian bodies in the water up against the shore. And they see proof that God is fighting for them. God's glory as God protected and he took care of those who were standing with them. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. Man, I'm telling you, as he walks us through our difficulty, he will make a way. God has a plan. As he walks us through our trials, God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. Man, I'm telling you, he is making a way. Walk with your God. Worship him. Pray to him. Lean on him. Step with him. 
He is your way maker. He will make a way for you through whatever you're facing as you walk with Him. Everybody just say way maker. Man, may we follow our King. May we worship our God. May we lead by following our God. And may all of us around continue to take steps with Him. All for God's glory. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Amen. Let's pray. 